Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about a few different things that matter. Things like thank you. Thank you to our community if you're a longtime listener or just your first or second time here on the audio platform listening to the daily podcast. We appreciate your support, becoming part of the community, and making this job better. And so with that, if you have any thoughts, ideas, critiques, people you think should be on the show or topics or ideas that you want to send forth, your direct line to the show is through our new email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. Send us your thoughts, ideas, people you think would be good for the show, anything that's on your mind, send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. That's your direct line right to the show. On top of that, if you feel inclined, please leave a review. Give us a five-star review. That would be fantastic, and we'd greatly appreciate it. We're working hard to gain your trust and to build a community, so any support that you can give us back only betters the mission. So we appreciate that. Like, subscribe, and share, and share this with your friends and talk about it because it makes the job better. Lastly, I need to mention... We want to talk about the National Fire Radio website, www.nationalfireradio.com. That is where you can get your merchandise that supports the show and the mission and the platform of National Fire Radio. Well, enough about all that. Let's hop into the daily episode. So thanks for tuning in. See you at the next one. Now, the daily episode. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and her crew have been manufacturing helmet fronts, aluminum helmet fronts, Since 2017, over 200,000-plus shields have been manufactured by Taylor and his crew. Custom helmet fronts shipped within 24 to 48 hours. Whether it's one piece to a 500-piece department order, they'll get them out under two days. They're doing incredible work, 100% customizable product. Their product is top shelf. Not only are they doing aluminum helmet fronts, they're doing gas cards, playing cards, keychains, medical cards, and charts. Pump charts, street signs, custom signs, banquet awards, you name it, they're doing it. Go to taylorstins.com. And if you do order, use this promo code NFR sent me, all one word, NFR sent me. You'll get 15% off at checkout. That's because we have a strong relationship and friendship with Taylor from Taylor's Tins. They've been a longtime supporter of the National Fire Radio platform, and I appreciate their support and friendship. Without further ado, the daily episode hey everyone jeremy national fire radio back on the podcast today today is going to be a just a wild episode i cannot wait to introduce the national fire radio world to steven eller this guy let's let's just break this down he's driving in a jeep cherokee right now we're going to hop into the story about the jeep cherokees and he just told me a story that i literally fell out of my chair laughing about 12 years in the fire service, 10 years career, So, which I love because a lot of times we're talking to senior guys that have been on the job for 20-plus years. Eller is going to bring a whole different point of view today. This guy's dialed in, loves the job, loves to train, throws tools and equipment in the back of his pickup truck every weekend and takes off for the weekend to go cut roofs, do searches, force entry. This guy loves to get dirty, loves going to fires, and just loves the fire service. Fountain in South Carolina, engineer Stephen Eller. Thanks for joining me, buddy. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Eller, you crack me up, dude. I have to tell you. So quick, quick story. We met you several years ago. Rob made a connection with you uh, several years ago. We end up doing a trip down to South Carolina to do one of our on taps. This is at least three, if not four years ago when we did this trip. I think it was like three years ago. Uh, cause that trip, when I was away, we had a the big fire in my first do at church, but the Catholic church I grew up in burned down, uh, on that trip. So I missed that trip coming to see you just so you know, anyway, well, uh, I'm glad you came. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Trust me. We had a great time with you and your crew down there. You showed us around fountain and we had a lot of fun with you during the day. We did a pod or uh, we did it on tap that night with, uh, Dave Mellon, I think was our speaker at that event. Uh, it was just fun yep. to be down there. Change of scenery, South Carolina. We had a blast. Uh, but your department, man, it was like you guys are like the American fire department, I think. And I mean that in a way that it represents exactly what most middle, sub, like suburban, rural, like on the rural, suburban, a little bit of urban on that cusp. You have what you're putting on nine guys now per shift. Yeah, 
right? Career job. Yes. Right? Yeah, July they should be hiring uh, one more for each shift, bringing us up to, to nine. And so, and so I think this conversation today and your department and how you guys operate is very representative of, like, what most America looks like when it comes to the fire service these days. And for you, man, like 12 years in, uh, 10 years with Fountain Inn, you love it. You were beaming before. You're going through some interview process, and it's only to stay with the boys. Let's stay with the boys. Talk to me about that. Are you okay uh, talking about that? Like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to jinx your interview know. process. But I. It's nah. just so cool, man. Like you were so nonchalant. Matter of fact, you're like, "Hey, man, somebody's got to do it. I think I'm ready." But like, I don't like. I love that. I love that. Talk yeah. to me about it. Yeah. So I've, I've never been one to chase a title. I don't. I don't care what. I think informal leadership is the best form of leadership. Love that. Because you don't have. Uh, you don't have the the awkwardness of when you take an issue to the captain, if he sees it being an issue that he has to take it to HR or write paperwork on it. Yes. As an informer leader, I can have a fireman come to me with an issue and we can resolve it or, or go, go handle it or go do whatever. And as long as it's nothing extremely serious, it doesn't have to go above me. So uh, I always felt, even as a fireman, I felt informal leadership was the best. Where'd you get that uh, from? No intentions. Did you have a boss or somebody that. Like, was there anybody that was influential, though, in, like, watching somebody in your first early years, like, that they managed that way? Yeah, so there's a, there's a, he was a sergeant now, I believe he's a lieutenant, but he's at my volunteer department in Belton. I work part-time there, too, but yeah. his name's uh, Darren Vaughn, and he works for, for SLED full-time, but he, uh, he's, that's how he is. If, um, if I had to relate him to a, a leader that would make sense to anyone. It would be, you know, major winners from, uh, uh, band of brothers. That yeah. would be his type of leadership. So, wow, that's cool. um, so we, we had a, a Lieutenant spot come open on my shift. Uh, the way it works is there's six engineers total with the department. If it's not one of uh, me or the other engineer, Jason Boyer, if neither one of us get it, then we have to go to one of the other shifts. So, uh, initially I had no intentions on applying for Lieutenant when they told us there was an opening. I was like, ah, I'm out. I ain't, I'm happy on the ladder. I'm happy on the engine driving, whatever I am that day. I'm, I'm happy as an engineer. And, um, they informed us that if it wasn't either one of us that got promoted, then one of us would have to go to another shift to, uh, to fill the engineer slot. And I'm, I decided then that I would test and, and go through the process to stay with the boys. So. I love that, man. Um, I mean, you, you must have a really good group then. Dude, they're the best. I, uh, one of them I went to high school with, so me and him, he was younger than me. He's, I mean, he is still younger than me, but he was in a lower grade than me in high school. Uh, we went through our first like basic firefighting classes and everything else together. And um, I give him crap because he, he started with us, uh, and then he left to go work at another department. Then he came back, and then he left to go because he watched a lot of like Chicago PD, and he wanted to be a, a cop. Uh, and then he came back, so uh, I give him a lot of crap because he, he's like a revolving door. But he's he's probably one of the best firemen I know. That's awesome, man. I so yeah. how important is that, right? How important is that to have an, a, a just a great crew that you mesh with, man? Like I, I just know that when you have the right crew on the engine or the truck, everything ticks. It's just so good. It does. Because if if you don't have that, it makes it makes because we do forty eight hour shifts and we're off for four days, so we right. do the forty eight ninety six. And if if uh, if you're on, I I. I'm not on a bad shift. I don't think we have any bad shifts, but if you're on a shift where you don't mesh or mingle well with the others, you're kind of like ousted or you, you, you could be ousted to yourself. Just like sitting out in the bay training by yourself or reading books or whatever, just to make the time, it make you miserable. Yeah. Talk about training by your training by yourself, man. That takes initiative. Where does, where does. does your initiative come from? Cause you love, to train like the one thing i know about you watching from afar you and i we we chat every once in a while you know through text or something right since we met and so on but we yeah. really don't like talk much but i watch like everyone that i know believe it or not like i watch i see what's going on i like to see what's new to them i like to see where they are i knew that you have a new home i know that you're traveling and teaching i know all these things about you only because I, i'm watching and and I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that in a way of endearment, meaning like you're special to me. You're somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. And I, in fact, I think you're an absolute up and coming rock star of this industry. We need guys like you with 12 years in on the, in the fire service to be as in love with it as you are. Where does that come from? 
Uh, so a lot of a lot of who I am, I believe, um, came from where I started. So out of high school, or in high school, I started in a firefighter program my senior year, and the teacher of it I had known a long time. His name was Luke. His name's Luke Riddle, and he was a fireman at Anderson City. He left there to become a, a career center teacher, and uh, he was part-time volunteer at, at Belton where I'm at. So uh, I grew up in the fire service. My dad was a lieutenant for years. My mom was a paramedic. That's how they met. That's where Got I it. came from. Um, so I've always wanted to do it. Uh, being in his class really like set it in stone. And he got me an application as a volunteer. So my senior year of high school, when I, when I graduated, I was um, already fighting fire with them. Uh, I had started that October or whatever, because I had my basic fire and, and fire one. So Belton has always been very aggressive with training. They've been very uh, proactive. Um, uh, the chief, Brad Manus, phenomenal officer. He, he's always been uh, big, he's he's always been really big on training. And it's a one man department. They cover the city of Belton's three square miles, but they cover um, out in the county a little bit for automatic aid with right. the surrounding county stations. So we we get a decent amount of work, whether it be wrecks or fires, but um as a as a one-man station or even with a part-timer too you you've got to have that that drive to push yourself to get in some type of training something that's not sitting in front of a tv watching a, an old vhs or a youtube videos some some legit stuff so yeah. his pushing us on monday nights was probably what started it for me because when i started meetings started at like seven o'clock it was the second and fourth monday and there was nights i'd go i'd go home at midnight one o'clock on a school night because we was out doing writ drills or we was out doing firemen through the roof drills or, or stuff that for around us no one else was doing and it really set it in stone and, and started that drive so i uh i would attribute it to that and i would also i would put him as i have a list of mentors i've wrote down and why they're my mentors and it stays in a book taped to it's actually i ripped it out last year it's taped inside my locker so when i open it i have that some core value personal core values and stuff so I have my list of mentors and uh, Darren and, and Luke and, and Manus are definitely in the top three of that. So, so that's, that's crazy that you just said that because as you're talking, I'm making notes. And the one thing was, I was going to say, man, you are, you're full of recognizing who have been influential in your upbringing in the fire service. And not yeah, only that, yeah, but I think how old are you? Uh, 31. So not only that, but 12, I mean like 19 years old, you started this journey. Right. And yep. then you get hired yep. at 21. Like you're still yep. growing. I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean, but you're still growing up. Right. So not only were these guys influential in your fire service career, they probably influenced how you became a man. They, they taught me a lot of life lessons. We used to sit awesome. down and they, we would have life lessons with Ella around the kitchen table. At <laughs> uh, oh, I uh, want to sit in on those. I like that. Oh man. Brady Norris. He's, he's a assistant chief in Oconee County up, in another part of the state and then you got uh ryan sams he's a, a fireman at gantt they ryan was full-time at belton and brady was part-time and i i would always go up there on their days and then uh a guy named brad stevens and and gene harris they would always we always have life lessons with ellard i i definitely say if it wasn't for that core group and the ones i'd already mentioned i don't think i would be a fireman today i'd probably be stuck riding an ambulance somewhere miserable hating life but mm. uh here I am. So that's I definitely have to say it. Yeah. Do you, do you get the hang of these guys still? Like, are they are they still uh, part? Yeah, so, Good. Uh, several of them are. Uh, Brad Stevens, he's honorary. He retired. He's honorary at Belton. Uh, Ryan, he's doing a lot more at his full time department, so he left. Uh, Manus is now chief. When I started, he was lieutenant. And Darren's still around, and I still see like Ryan and, and Brady and Manus when I'm not, or uh, Ryan, Brady, and uh, Brad Stevens that's when fun. I'm not around the fire department we still get together a little bit so. i love that i love i love uh seeing guys that were younger when i was there and and you know and seeing where they are today in their careers it's uh it's very fulfilling for me to witness that yeah let me ask you this then since mentorship was so important to you do you find yourself at 31 years old and 12 years in the fire service do you think that you're beginning to mentor others behind you I, th I think so. I, I hope I am. Uh, I hope I, a buddy of mine, uh, I don't remember. I think it was Julio or, or Manus. Either way, they said each one, teach one. Um, what was what that? They, what they is that? Each, each one, teach one. Love it. Um, 
meaning that each person should be able to teach one of the other their their core friends or or however you look at it. But um, like you said, I do a lot of traveling. I've been taking a lot of classes, not just teaching, but taking classes. And I, I try to bring it back to where I work and, and find ways to apply either what I've learned from other instructors teaching or what I've learned from a class to the to the guys I work with. And that's one of the reasons I want to stay with the boys is the the at headquarters I've got John Santoro. We've got a new guy who just got out of the army and just this is his first fire job. He just got all of his certificates to be a fireman. Uh, his name's Clay Campbell. You got uh, James Moore, um, and who else is landing up? So those guys, I kind of, I hope that I can leave a little bit of an impact on. Maybe not throughout their entire career, but just like they go up to a door and they're like, "Oh, Eller, Eller said to do this. Let me try that. It actually works." Now I can take that when I retire or when someone else starts new, and they've now can mentor someone with what I taught. So yeah, it's, to some extent, I hope that they're they're picking up on some. I'm. Again, I, I hate talking about myself. I don't, I don't like it. But no, I, I think, understand that. I think but, in some ways, but I think it's important that you recognize that you know your message, your passion, where where it matters is because you're paying it forward. And I think that you're yeah. you're serving justice to the guys that spent time with you, and now it's your turn to start spending time with others. And that's truly how that works. And any foundational brick that you leave behind for another guy, they're going to be able to build upon, make it better, craft it, turn it their way, and then deliver that and let everybody know that it came from Eller, but it's got my twist. And I think that's the fun thing about what we do. And as we, as we go up the line with the different generations and the guy coming up behind us is being able to share those ideas and, and, and experiences and know-hows and then let them expand on them. Yep. Yeah. So traveling-wise, you know, I know how important training is to you. I watch you on social media throwing saws and bars, and just when <laughs> just when we started this podcast, you were picking up from, from ripping up a subfloor at, I guess, your buddy's house, you said? <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he was, so he left originally. He worked with me. I got him hired at, at Fountain Inn, and he left to go be a, a deputy, and that was somebody Lennon was – Landon and him's best friends, but anyway, uh, he called me earlier today. He's like, "Hey, you, you think you could help me? Uh, I'm doing some remodel." I was like, "Yeah, I'll come over." He goes, "Bring a bring a really big crowbar." I'm like, "All right." So, uh, I, I brought my crowbar, and we was ripping up uh, subfloor all day. We we just finished when you called, so it, it kind of worked out. That's wild. I love it. But traveling with your pro bar and my point being is, you travel for training. Wherever you can get your hands dirty, you want to be. Yes, sir. I uh, I go. I've got, uh, I try to plan my year out. I've got a, a, a planner that I put all the trainings I want to take. And then I look on our um, report software. It has a calendar where people will put in their off or whatever. So I try to plan out my, uh, my trainings around our shift. So I'm not messing anything up where like we're short staffed or anything like that. So um, I've got, I got a full year already. I think uh, last time I looked at it between, some uh, some rope tech classes at USAR and a couple other things. So is that so, new for you, the tech? Yeah, so I've always had a little bit of a passion for rope. Like uh, as a kid, I uh, my parents thought I broke my neck one time. I was climbing jungle gyms using a uh, <laughs> a garden hose, and I was rappelling with a carabiner, and uh, it came untied, and I fell on my head. So uh, I watched a lot of a lot of emergency growing up. Wanted to play with rope a lot. I'm not like real big in the to mountaineering i don't think i want to climb any mountains but i enjoy the technical rope aspect so um that's cool another good mentor from columbia area jason john Nitas, he, he got me talking to taking a sprat uh rope technician class earlier uh, or later last year and uh after i retested i passed it in november and if you haven't ever looked into sprat there's a lot that's outside the box that can benefit the fire service. So, What's Sprat? What, um, is, what is Sprat? Break that down for me. So, oh, let me let me look at the technical definition while we're talking. But it's it's um a lot of it's like rope access. So okay. you're you're people who working at height in the industrial side of things. Right. Um. There's there's Sprat and then there's Irata. So Sprat is the version for the United States, and then um the Irata you can use it outside of the United States. So um. I'm looking it up, I'm going to their website. No, listen, so, man. If um, you're, hang on, I can look it up too. I mean, that's not a big deal. I got it right here. So, oh uh, yeah, Let's there we see. go. 
Society of Professional Rope Access, Access Technicians is what it stands for. Okay. Yeah, I got it here. So there, it. there's three levels of it, and um, you get level one. You've got to maintain level one for a minimum of six months plus 500 hours of training to go to level two. Once you get level two, it's the same thing. you got to have it six months and 500 hours of training. And it's like every two years you have to go and recertify in your skills. So does this, this isn't rescue based. This is just ropes in general then? Is that what this is? It's just, it's just ropes in general. So yeah. what, what we did were basic stuff. We did uh, ascending and descending ropes. Uh, we didn't use any like bar racks or eights, anything like that. We used the, the CMC clutches, the Petzl IDs, Maestros, mm-hmm. uh, the Petzl chest harness that, or the chest ascender and hand harness, hand ascenders to ascend rope. Um, you got to do what's called a, a mobile aid climb. So you, or a, a horizontal aid, you climb up the rope, the rope, you have uh, three lanyards that attach to different anchor points and you come off the rope system completely. And then you have to go across the ceiling Got it on the, uh, the anchors. So that's pretty uh, wild. It's got a lot. Yeah, it's the three different levels. It's got a lot that can benefit a department. So I've been my shift's been working on a lot of it in in house recently. So yeah, well, I've noticed. So I've noticed, and and that's what I think is really <laughs> cool, right? Is that you know you put it out there, and I've noticed that you have been getting into this stuff. So I was just curious what the backstory was, but that's cool because you're pushing yourself to do more, and I think that that's admirable, and I think that we need that in the in the in the industry because any guy that's willing to push himself to learn more, do more will be better on the fire ground, my belief. Yeah, I can agree with that. Okay. Well, I'm glad you agree with me. So I'm glad. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So talk to me then about, like, Fountain do you have the Do you have the abilities to do that type of work then? Yeah, so uh, we, we have a large industrial uh, facilities. We've got three of the Bosch facilities. We've got uh, a million square foot, Granger. Uh, the potential for those events are definitely there. Um, whether or not we actually run one's a different story. But, no, I get uh, it. The potential for the for the the rescue to to take place. We used to do a lot of uh, rescue drills with Bosch. They would have um, one that I can remember as a guy was in one of the forklifts you sit in, and it actually goes up in the air with you sitting in it to right. retrieve something off of a, a shelf. And the scenario was he had a medical emergency, and you had to get him down. So, uh, I don't, I'm not a forklift certified individual. I don't know how to run it, but I could go up there and build a rope system and, and lower him down, especially with what I've learned from this class versus what I knew before. So yeah, it's definitely there to, to use. Well, that's cool. Well, that's good. So are you going to pursue it then even further? Like, are you, if you enjoy it enough that you're going to take it further and do more with it? Yeah, I think so. It's good. It's going to take a little while to get all the, the training hours, but I, I definitely hope to, um, I I was in a little bit of a bind personally when I signed up for the class. We were going through uh, some transitions at work, and uh, I was having I was asking them to to send me to this class and, and everything. And um, I, I don't think I was as grateful as I should have been because I was a little ill with how the process was going and it taking so long to hear back and from from whoever was over training at the time and, and getting the the bill paid and. When I got to class, you, you can only top out at like eight or ten. I don't remember exactly the, the amount of students that can be there. But right. when I got there, uh, most of us was fire service related, except for one guy. And he was a bridge inspector. And um, they were talking about how I was in a chief's car. I had a hotel room paid for and my department paid. It was like thirteen to $1,500 for this class. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And a lot of nobody else in, in the group, their class, their department paid for it or they had a ride or a hotel. Most of them lived in Charleston, but I had all of that. And I'm like, you know, I, I really is like a kick in the balls for me to have been the way I was about it, uh, being ill about getting in or not getting in when there's a lot of other people who's having to pay out of their pocket to do this. So it, it made me be grateful for where I was a lot more and thankful for the leadership that we have to pay for me to do that. Well, I also, or any of us, if anyone at the department. Yeah. Well, it also comes down to too is, you know, you recognizing that, I mean, it didn't mean you needed, you had to. And, you know, I think a lot of us take for granted some of the things that we have, the resources at our fingertips while others are scraping to be able to do the same type of activities. And so, you know, for you to recognize that and be appreciative of it after the fact, I think speaks volumes to who you are. Right. 
And so, like, your department then, they see the benefit. I mean, I look at how much training you do, and I look at the training that you post, whether you're on, when you're, whether you're working or outside of the firehouse, but you're constantly on the go to better yourself and then bringing it back and bettering the job. Your department certainly supports that, I would assume. They do. That's cool. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate for it to, to have the captain that allows me to, to do stuff or uh, even the chief are the, the gentleman you met when you came down, Russell, he was the assistant. Yeah. chief. He's now chief of the department. Oh, nice. So he got promoted this year. Tell him yep. I said hello, will you? I will. Did you tell him you were doing this today or no? I did not. Uh Oh, you better clear that with them I'd before actually... you get all jammed up. Oh, they're fine. It's, <laughs> Like, that's just Eller. That's Eller. That's Eller doing Eller things. I was literally just going to say that. That's hilarious. Is that a common theme? Is that a bumper sticker down there in Fountain Inn? It's a hashtag. Uh, I get it from some guys at Belton, one of the full timers. They they recently did a a pre plan of a business. So they went out and uh, he sent me a video of him climbing a scuttle hole through a different spot of the building talking about uh here we are doing other things in a vacant checking out random roofs so i love that uh you know what it's fun yeah. to have that reputation with the guys because that means that you're doing something right it means that the, it's it's la- it's fun and it's 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 enjoyable but you're actually promoting and, and doing better right you're you're making training more fun you're you know you're doing it your way i think character is important and I think signing your name to the way you do things and the fact that guys get a kick out of that that's just a home run man I that's exactly why we're talking today I absolutely was looking yeah. forward to chatting with you you crack me up man I've been smiling this whole episode <laughs> <laughs> so listen I mentioned that delicious mustache you have that's gone right we talked yeah. about that yeah you miss it did you feel saltier that I way do. were you were you like a badass I- fireman when you had it I feel older. I feel like I look like a little kid now. You but, didn't get uh, carded. You didn't get carded at the gas station when you're buying a 12 pack or what? No, no. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. But I, I felt a little older with it. Felt a little bit more mature. But uh, it, it got to tickle my nose a little bit. And I, I would say that I shaved it off because it, I messed up trimming it. But really, I'm sure my lady didn't like it, and I just knocked it off. So yeah, that's I, what I'll stick to, I guess. I got it. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I try to I try to grow one back, and I get the looks, and then it, it it disappears off my face. So that's just the nature of the beast. But talking about mustaches and making you feel older, I know that you and I, when we first started here, right before we hit the record button, we were chatting about like the generational gap. And I know that that's an important conversation for you because you are a 10 year man in your fire department. You're in the middle of your journey. You're still on the younger side. Uh, You got a long way to go in your career. Right. So like, talk to me a little bit about like the misnomers or like things that maybe we should be doing or, or conversations we should be having to kind of better our current position between that generational divide. So, not trying to get off in a, a squirrel trail or no, rabbit hole, or whatever. But when I when I started in the fire service, you heard you heard a lot of people talk about the millennials and they're not doing this and it's the millennials that the millennials this. Well, the millennials are now your your captains and your battalion chiefs and and your millennials they they're I'm a millennial. They come into work. I get to work at six thirty typically. Six thirty seven shift changes between seven thirty and eight. So for for ten years I've got there you know and typically an hour early. Sure. Um, your your millennials are out there. They're they're putting in putting in the work to to get better. But I think I think the issue is because you look at the people who said millennials when they were when they were younger and starting the generation above them said the same thing about their generation. For and it's sure. It's been a, a waterfall of waterfall effect pretty much or a ripple effect. So. Um, the issue that I do see now is you have a generation coming into the fire service that has no, uh, not necessarily life skills, but hand skills, hands-on skills. They, they don't know how to run the chainsaws or they, they learn by just standing there and watching rather than getting in into the, the drill and getting dirty and, and, and learning hands-on. Um, I would love to find a book that talks about how the different generations learn. Um, yeah. I would love to, to learn that, but because this generation that's coming in now uh they like to they stay on their phones uh i think a lot more than my generation generation before me whatever because they've had it more um so it's hard and you have to kind of stay with those guys you gotta you gotta take them out in the bay and you've got to spend hours with them 
if you're working on a skill, you can't just throw that skill out there and say, hey, we're going to work on forcible entry today, and I expect you next shift to know it. We're going to work on forcible entry, but we're going to start out on the basics of knowing how to how to properly crush the outward swing or how to gap the door or uh, how the, the benefit of forks in versus forks out and then working your way several shifts and then putting it all into one and then test not necessarily testing them of a, a pass or fail, but giving them a scenario and sitting them down and saying, hey, you know, you messed up on X, Y, and Z. In a couple of days, we're going to do it again. Remember to fix X, Y, and Z so that they're not continuing to not learn or progress. So do you, um, so then as the trainer, right, you're out there all the time, whether in, on the bay floor in your firehouse or on the weekends on your own time, teaching and training and learning yourself, we have to teach more than we've ever had to teach before because now we have to teach the foundational elements of simple or what we might consider simple tasks that aren't simple to them because they haven't had to do those things before. And so my guess, my question is then is, is part of this disconnect then us being intolerable to the fact that we have to work harder to teach them the same level? Absolutely. I've seen it. You get guys, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, on purpose. I think guys just get frustrated, whether they're my age or older, with having to show someone how to start a chainsaw or how to clear a flooded chainsaw or how to how to make the, the roof cuts. And I think they're used to just out of habit with people my age or in different generation picking up on it a lot quicker rather than this new generation that it's a little little longer for them to pick up on it. But you can't give up. You got to continue to to throw the information out there until they pick up on it. Because I'm not one to write someone off. I hate writing people off. I believe everyone has the potential to be great. I agree with you. Um, so, so it just takes time. Sometimes it takes a lot more time with some than others to get that greatness to kickstart. So you, you know, gotta, I wonder. You gotta have someone tolerable. I wonder too, like who's to say that you have to learn how to start a chainsaw by the age of 16 and not 24. Like, why does, why does that matter? Right? Like if the opportunity doesn't present itself to you as a kid, why can't you still learn it as an adult? Yep. Uh, and that's, that, that's a good one. Cause you know, you, you got people who they've never, they lived in a city. They had no reason to, yeah, uh, to right. run a chainsaw. They didn't have to go clear a driveway or whatever to get out. Or they didn't start at a volunteer department that pushed good training. That's or right. Not necessarily push good training, but they, they didn't start at a volunteer department at all. So why are we um, why are we vilifying guys getting hired on the job then and they come in and they don't know uh, how to start a chainsaw or they don't understand even even simple things they don't even know how to cut the grass at the fire station right like we comes, we vilify these guys why I think it comes down to those who are teaching or training or those senior being comfortable yeah. uh, and complacent oh and my I god think, I love this go ahead go I think it does a the comfortable and complacency of knowing that, you know, I had a, a 20, a 30 year old start and he knew how to do all this. And now I've got this, this younger guy who's barely over 18 that doesn't know how to cut grass or anything. And now I've got to teach him, but I'm not going to put a lot of, I'm just going to write him off because if he doesn't know how to do it, he's an idiot. Yeah. And then on top of that too, or you do show them, but you treat them with such disregard that you like basically yes. talk down to them and, and take away their dignity and value of this situation. Like that to me is, I think the worst part is that we have a guy with experience that has so much to share, but he's only willing to share on the way he wants to. And he's not willing to budge or teach in a different way other than what he's ex other than the way he wants to. And I, I hate I hate people who talk down to others or I hate I hate personally being talked down to. Uh, if you're going to teach me, I, I had this issue when I was learning ropes very early on. One of the instructors in my rope rope rescue class, he was like, I'm not going to say he called me an idiot because he didn't, but he pretty much did. Uh, I didn't know I couldn't get how to tie a figure eight or a bowl and whatever it was sure. down. And he kept making comments about it. And I'm like, listen, you're not here to, to belittle me. If you're supposed to be an instructor, then, then simply teach me. That, if you can't do right. that, then I ask you to go find somebody else. And he, he didn't like that very well. So Yeah, you know why? Um, because guys like that need to be pushed back on. It's called being a bully. And that's where it goes yeah. from ball breaking to being an asshole, 
right? And I, I think that that, Eller, and, and correct me if I'm wrong or t- I want to hear your spin, but that's the gray that gets very muddy where guys think, no, I'm just busting his chops. He needs to know. He should know this. I'm just busting his chops. No, you're being an asshole. Like you're, yep. you're literally being an asshole and, and demeaning this individual in front of you that wants to learn. He's there to learn, and God forbid he didn't know how to tie a bowling at 18 years old, and it took him till 31 to learn. What's the big freaking deal, man? Teach the guy. You're an instructor. Teach. Yeah, I see. I see a meme all the time. It talks about, um, you know, just because someone was an asshole to you starting out doesn't yes. give you the right to be an asshole to someone else. Yeah, I just reposted I that the other day. Get, yeah. A lot of people get carried away with that because they, you know, I. Not me. We'll say someone else. They they started out in the fire service and their senior guys were assholes to them. Well, when they started in in their fire service career and now they're senior, they think that's the example that was set. That's what I have to continue. It takes the guys that they had the crappy senior guys who really didn't care and literally bullied them. It takes a strong one to to continue to be humble and passionate and find that way to teach others that doesn't involve being a complete asshole. Uh, it's possible. Anybody can do it. It just, you got to be able to know that the example that was set for you is not who you need to be. I think that, w- I think that what part of what's setting us up for failure in the community, in the communication gap that we have is more so on the senior guy that's already there versus the guy that's coming in that wants to learn. It's so easy to vilify this next generation, but we have a duty and an, and an obligation to find a way to teach them. And I think we get too wrapped up in ourselves, in our bravado and ego to think that we need to teach them more of the basics than you or I might have needed when we came in. And I think that that's a real big part of the disconnect, that it's on the instructor, not the student. Absolutely. Um, I could not agree more. Yeah. And so how do we, how do we combat that? Right. Cause I look at you 31 years old, you're in the firehouse, you're hanging from the rafters on your ropes. You're, 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 you're doing all these different things. You're going out on the weekends and getting dirty and getting yourself into the middle of things. You're pushing yourself to, to, to get out there. And when you're teaching, are you learning just as much? Absolutely. So that's the one thing I enjoy about, uh, traveling whether it be with Julio from yeah. from Fireground or JJ and Ryan Gates, when we go places, I enjoy the the sitting down at the table at night eating dinner. And I recently met um, RJ Robert. I think it's Robert James out of uh, Maryland. Oh yeah, from Capital, Capital City. City yeah, training. RJ literally uh, he literally just texted me while I'm talking to you. By the way, phenomenal dude. I I, love I him. always I met him. I met him in North Florida a couple years ago, and every time it was with, uh, he was with one of the guys from FDNY Rescue Two. I can't remember his name, but just to sit down and be around them and listen to the little nuggets they were throwing out, or just the topics they were talking about in an informal way around supper, whether it be a writ drill or how to force a door or rotary saw work on commercial doors. Dude, I, I could not. I wish I would have got my phone out and hit record and yeah. just record the conversation. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I love that. That's that's what I enjoy about traveling and teaching is I, I learn more than I feel like I teach. But. So I wonder then if there's this direct correlation between those that don't better themselves in the fire service or the same ones that are down talking the next generation. I, th- I think they are because they didn't they don't have the drive to to better themselves. They think it has to be given to them. Uh, so they get. And it might not even be that. It may be they just got into to a bad spot. They might have had a, a crappy mentor that all he did was come to work and use it as a paycheck and an escape from, you know, crappy home life or whatever. And when he got to work, all he did was sit in a recliner after his probationary period or whatever and was lazy and he promoted up because there was no one else to promote. However, it worked out. Um, I think it was a bad mentorship from whoever they looked up to, and that's who they become because you are what you learn from. Um, you could, you could have a crappy officer. It's because they had a crappy officer. Um, so could you imagine being I an asshole in your firehouse and, and derailing guys careers because you're lazy or you don't want to find a way to work with the next generation? Could you imagine? No, I would quit. Like carrying, understand why people carrying that burden. I don't understand how guys that do that come to work. That's what I'm saying. Right. 
Like, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about that. Like, it is, to me, I had this conversation, I forget who it was on another episode, and we talked about it's a job. They in, People that side sideline individuals or or down talk the department or the company or shit talks the training and poo-poos it and stays in that recliner that is a conscious effort to do that which then means it's intentional so we have people we have people as much as we want people to intentionally promote and push the department forward by training and doing all those things we have people that are intentionally trying to hold the department back and hold individuals back that's frightening it is, and it's a, it's a, it's almost like a plague. Not necessarily a plague. It's definitely a problem. You got it everywhere. Yeah. I've always heard people say, "Oh, everywhere has issues." But until I actually started traveling outside of my state, I realized the same issues I have in Little Old Fountain Inn is sure. the same issues people have in Orange County, Florida, or out in Texas. Uh, my little department, it's a lot. You you could you could see it. You could see an issue a lot easier than you could uh, somewhere with hundreds of you know, of employees, a shift. Um, but I, I definitely think that what you were, were getting at, it's definitely an issue that can plague an organization and, and bring everyone down. Um, if you have attitudes are contagious, if you have one crappy attitude and you can't get it resolved, it will quickly spread to the others. And it's intentional. That's the crazy yes. part, right? Cause intent matters. And if you're intentional about being a douchebag in the firehouse, and that's just who you are, that means you're actively getting in the way of progress. That means you're actively, intentionally slowing down progress because you're so wrapped up in your own misery. That's crazy. It really is. And I don't know what you have to do to be so miserable at home to come to work and be so miserable to others, but I don't know. Something somewhere has to be Um, fixed. Maybe, you know. I, I know a couple guys that they go home, they probably put lipstick on in high heels, right? I mean, it's it's just you know they get beaten, man. I there's listen, there's a lot of misery in this world, and uh, and it comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, but I I think that what we need to do to make it a little bit more serious. I was just kidding, but you know, with that, <laughs> somebody's gonna say something. I'm gonna get jammed up for that one. So anyway, what <laughs> what I think though about. <laughs> What I think about that conversation is that that to me is a glaring call for help. And and I don't know what it looks like and I don't know if it's a, a serious issue or just the individual, but when you have somebody that's actively pursuing bringing others down, there's a much bigger demon at play there that needs to be looked at. And I I I think what's what's frightening is is that as much as we have people like yourself that are promoting the betterment of the job and pushing the job forward, there's actually people that are intentionally and at the same at the same velocity that you're at for the betterment, there's guys that are at the same tempo and velocity trying to bring the job down. And we don't Absolutely. we don't need that. We can't have that. We got to get rid of that. And it's it sucks so bad when that person gets into a a leadership role, yes. like a, an officer yeah. or even just a company or even a shift commander where you have, as an engineer, you, you see an issue and you're like, hey, hey, man, what you said or these comments you made, they should be made. It's it's hard to it's, – it's, it's a conflict. Uh, it's a hard – conversation to have but it's it's a hard position to put yourself in because you're as a lower man on the totem pole you're sticking your neck out there to say something to someone higher up hoping there won't be any any repercussions or backlash from you you know basically reprimanding an officer uh but it takes it takes some courage and that's definitely what needs to happen is you need someone there needs to be someone on a shift that has the 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 balls about them to step up and be like hey what you did, what you said, it doesn't need to happen because it's setting a bad example for those below you, yeah. for those around you. It's making us as a shift department, whatever, look bad. Um, but yeah, it's hard I, to have those conversations. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, if you are in that position, get the hell out of the way. Like, if yes. you know, don't hold others back because of your own misery. If you don't want to be a part of the good, at least don't hold them back. Just get out of the way. Step aside and let the rock stars blow right through. Because you're, I think what happens is at some point, the people like that feel that they can't get back. They can't come back. Because, listen, Eller, like when you join a fire service, man, you're just like me. We were like head over heels in love with it. I am still in love with it. You're yeah. still in love with it. People fall out of love with it. It's okay. It happens, 
right? Like, but we all come into the fire service. I would say 99% of the fire service all started in a fire service because they fell in love with it, right? Like they found their way there. They fell in love with it. And then at some point, something might have happened to turn them off or to fall out of love with it. It doesn't mean that you can't reconnect with it and fall back in love with it. Nope, but it's it's hard. You got to find what uh, what what you enjoy about it, and you got to stick to it. Because once you once you get into a position that you fell out of your passion, yep, finding something to draw you back into it is hard. Uh, and especially going back to to the leadership thing, if you've got into a position of leadership and you you're you're not happy, you're not going to make anyone else happy. You're yes. going to come in, you're going to half-ass your job um you're you're basically there for a paycheck and it it i'm I'm wondering if maybe you need to step down willingly step out of that position like you said let somebody else step up into it uh but something around there has to happen because if you're miserable you're gonna make everybody else miserable what is it how do you find that thing that you you're passionate about about the job that's that's the ticket how do you find that for someone if you're if you're an engineer or a technician, whatever, if you're lower than an officer and you have a, a terrible officer, how do you help them find what they're passionate about? Yeah. It's hard. That that's a good start. Yeah, it is. That's but good. I think it's recognizing that, right? And I also think that candid conversations matter. Um, and I think holding one another accountable is also super important. Yes. And, um, I know for you, like integrity matters, obviously. Right. I mean, you and I talked about that before integrity matters. People are after clout. We talk about people that like to like to, um, teach and instruct on things that they've never been a part of or have done in reality. Right. I mean, I know that you mentioned that that's something that is, uh, something that irks you to no end, right. Integrity, right. Talk talk to me a little bit about that. So uh, you see a lot on social media. People post uh, pictures or videos or, or they, they try to start topics on, on things they know absolutely nothing about for the reason of wanting to like get their name out there or to make themselves look better. Uh, I, I, I know I post a lot on Facebook and Instagram. I, I do it in a networking way. I'm not yeah. trying to, to I'm not trying to like beat my own chest about anything. Um, but I think a lot of people do, and it, it drives me to, to up the wall for whatever reason when someone's teaching or trying to teach something they know absolutely nothing about. And when you when you attempt to not necessarily correct them, because uh, I'm not going to correct you right there. I'm going to wait till we're like one-on-one to, 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 hey, man, you messed this up. And you do that, and they're like fly off the handle about it because they know what they're doing, but they have no idea. Yeah. Um, you see it all the time on, on Instagram or on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is now. You see it all the time. People will post, and they have very little experience in the topic, very little real-world experience on the subject. But on the Internet, to make themselves look good, they're they're subject matter expert. But uh, I, it's mm. – Stroke and ego, man. Stroke and ego. Egos, God. Egos are one of the worst things. Do you egos have one? in politics. I hate – uh, no, I try. I don't think I do. I try not to. It's good. I, I'm just I'm asking. Sure, I'm, I'm not. It's, I'm not. I'm not coming at you at all. That that's a serious question. Do you like? I have an ego, but I have an ego about certain things, and I've I've been able to curtail that over time. When I was younger, I had a much bigger ego, and it got me in a lot of trouble a lot of times. Right, and then I yeah, also come. I, I mm-hmm. Go ahead. I can agree. I I, I think when I started out, especially uh, so first first four, three or four years, I started out, I was on B shift and I moved to, to C shift now. And the captain I have currently, his name is Jeremy Sparks. And I, I look up to him a lot for leadership advice. And he's definitely on my mentor list for those reasons, but he, he sat me down and he's, he's worked really hard on me on like humility and things like that. So a couple of years ago, I sat down with him and Russell uh, and I said, Hey, these are, are my goals for this year. Uh, I want y'all to help hold me accountable to these. And one of them was to, to not be as, uh, as egoish because if yeah, uh, I, I didn't it. do it, it wasn't getting done right. And I, I do think I've, I've personally, this is a question from the interview today. They asked you like, what was your strength and weaknesses? And this is legitimately one of my weaknesses is I thought that, um, 
not necessarily ego, but I, if it wasn't done my way, then it wasn't right. Yeah. And I've been working on that a lot. So, Me too, brother. Um, Me too. And you're going to oh. be working on that forever. I'll tell you oh, why. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, be yeah. I'm gonna be 46 this week, right? And I'm still working yeah. on that. And it's always been my way, unless you could prove to me your way is better. And Ooh. some of that comes with some of that comes with real world experience and in knowing how many times I've been let down. I get let down all the time. I've come to realize that at some point my way is better because I'm tired of getting let down, right? But maybe I'm being let down by people I shouldn't even have had on in the conversation to begin with, right? So like you can you can look into all that and, and start to break all that down. But it's always been my way unless you could prove to me your way is better. But that's only because I'm a large personality and I and I have what I like to think is not so much ego as I've gotten older. It's more about conviction. I truly believe yeah. I believe in my thoughts and processes because one, I've put them I've put them from theory to practical use and knowledge, right? But I've also had the time to really review it, look at it, and watch it. And what I don't like is when somebody can come in and challenge my conviction and they're not convicted, they don't have conviction in their own process or their own method or their own knowledge. And that drives me crazy because if you have something and this is, this goes back to that generational conversation too. What drives me nuts is if you have a way to do it better, show me. I, and, and if your way is in fact better Man, I am your biggest fan. I will be like, yes, this process kicks ass. It's 10 times better than when I knew how to do this. You show me this again and let's go show the world. Like, I will then boost you up and build you up. Whereas years ago, I would be like, ah, oh, your ways, even if it was better, I would be so guarded and protective of myself and my own ego and bravado that I would let a better opportunity fall by the wayside because my ego and bravado got in the way. Whereas today, you show me your way is better, and I will promote you and tell everybody what a great idea you had. Different. Yeah, I couldn't agree more to that. It's definitely one of those. Um, I keep saying one of those. Anyway, it's definitely uh, the ego aspect is definitely a um, a big a big takeaway. Um, being able to put your ego aside and do. And, and learn from someone else. Like you were saying, that's way maybe better. Uh, the guy from my Sprite class I took in Charleston, his name's Don Belt, and he showed me a new way to tie a, a butterfly knot. And it's like the greatest thing ever now because I'm that's the way I'll, I'll tie it. It's so sure. much easier than wrapping my hand. But um, yeah, I, I think egos egos are definitely in politics. They're definitely two, two issues that are hard to solve. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it I think a lot of that gets in the way. And I think that's what impedes progress. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else? Let me let's talk about the upstate rogues. We're about fifty minutes in on this podcast. I like to hold it to about an hour. So we got like 10, 15 minutes left, brother. Upstate rogues. Okay. We're upstate rogues is you and your training group, right? Yeah, so I started it in uh twenty seventeen. It actually started as a, a text group. We would we would uh, we had a group chat, whether it be on Facebook Messenger or, or a text in the cell phone, and it was uh, me, the me Justin McGill. He worked at Taylor's. Now he's at Parker. Uh, Casey Klingscales. He's a captain at Irmo. Chavis Sexton. He works as a fireman in Anderson City, and, and Brandon Stroud were the original ones. And then Chief Alexander. He he helped me out a lot, and um, we had a lot that. We learned outside of, and that's like any academy. Your academies teach you the core, the core basics for that strong foundation, and it's up to those, those driven to to build on that, or your yeah. departments to teach you to build you on that foundation. Well, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of passing on what I I learned to others because we're only as better, we're only as strong as our weakest link, whatever. Uh, so. Um, we would always share stuff back and forth that we did, whether it be a hose load or we shared videos. I'm, I'm big on wearing, I wear a GoPro on my turnout coat to video stuff. And it's not necessarily to like, like fireman porn, but it's at a fire. I'll, I'll review it to see what I could work better on. Uh, so, uh, we always share stuff like that back and forth. Well, in 2017, I was like, Hey, let's, let's try. Or, uh, someone asked me to come teach forcible entry at their department. Would one of y'all want to go? And, and then they went and we posted it on my Facebook and then somebody else called me like, Hey, will you come to mine and do this? So we went 
and it, it, it just spun off from there. And it's cool. kind of died down now. We, we're all in different places in our life, uh, whether it be promotions or families and stuff like that. So we were not as and, – and when I started it, we, we still don't, but we never made any profit on it. The yeah. money that went into it all went into props, and I tried to keep it low cost. So a forceful entry class was like four or $500. It's gone up now because everything else is going sure. up. But still, I think I think we would have definitely stuck around more if I could have could have found a way to to pay guys to to do things. Well, let me ask uh, you this but, because we all have these text groups we're in, and, and it's just like minded guys that are just making the job better, and and it's our sounding board when we need you know some advice or ideas, right? And so on. I yeah. have a couple of these groups that I run in, and I guess my point is though is the name Upstate, obviously for for the state, but Rogues. Why rogues? Yeah. Man, so I got into rogues with uh, from listening to Mark Von Oppen mm-hmm. out of uh, Fully Involved in sure. California. And uh, all of us, I would say, were definitely fire service rogues that were uh, pushing what was normal and pushing the limit as to better ourselves and better others. Uh, so I, I feel like a rogue isn't the, the technical definition of someone going out and doing something stupid or dumb, but a rogue is the guy that's going to push you to be better that when, if it was your house on fire or you're going to the fire of your career, you want to look in the back seat and make sure you've got a rogue riding with you because they're going to do the work. They're going to push the, the team to the, to the win. I love that. And I so think that's where rogue. Yeah. And I think that absolutely sums up what this last hour was with you. And uh, I think you are rogue and I think you are the guy that I would want as a boss in my back seat, I, I see you nothing but promoting this job and pushing this job further. Um, and we need more 10 year guys like you, 12 year guys like you in the firehouse, promoting the betterment of this job and working with the next generation and working with the generation above you and bridging that gap. I think you're doing that dude. And Eller, I just, uh, I think you're a rock star, brother. Truly appreciate you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, I, uh, mm-hmm. I sent you those pictures of the Jeep from the fire. Beautiful. Uh, so let's, I was, now. I was literally just going to ask you that. So let's break yeah. that down real quick. We started this podcast talking about you driving back from helping a buddy out and you're in a rental Jeep. Talk to me. Give me yeah, this. So, give me this story, man. It's freaking hilarious. It's a really nice Jeep, man. It's, it's got this leather interior. It's heated in Cherokee, cool, right? Brand, new, new Cherokee. Yeah. 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 It's like a 21, but anyway, so I, I, the sun was in my eyes, and I hit a dumpster in a parking lot, and I my truck to the shop getting some body work. So, I normally drive an F two fifty, and if you ever see a picture of it, it's got a pull out bed, a pull out tray in the back with all kinds of hooks and toolboxes and saws. Anyway, it's it's basically a rescue truck. But anyway, um, it it goes out. It's in the body shop. I'm riding a Jeep. So there's a Halligan in the back, a mini Halligan. There's a, a bag of rope stuff. There's my turnout gear. Um, we catch a, a fire out, a mutual aid fire at my volunteer department. So we go, I get there, get dressed. We go, we fight fire. Me and another buddy, he, uh, we pulled ceiling. The buddy I was at his house, Matthew, I was helping him. We, we pulled ceiling and we're covered in, in sheetrock and we're soaking wet because the, the guys on the front porch or the back porch were spraying water over us every time we'd expose fire. We're soaked, uh, covered in drywall. And we step outside the chain cylinders and the uh another fire pops off in our in our city so i'm like hey let's let's go to it well we got cylinders changed and we take off sprinting up this driveway we get to the jeep the engine's in the process of backing up so it can go because it wasn't tied into nothing so they released us because they had two other departments there uh i get spun around both of us are still in turnout coat and pants our air packs are in the back seat the halligans are in the back seat (laughs) we get there when I get out, my seat's soaking wet. Oh, it's covered it. in drywall dust. If anybody from Enterprise Rental Car listens to this, <laughs> none of it actually happened. This is all made it. up. Yeah, it's all made but, up. But, oh, it took me probably five hours to clean this thing. And oh. when I got this as a rental, we got it to go to Florida because I, st- I went down there and helped Julio with some stuff in his shop. And when I got in this thing, it smelled. It's got Colorado tags, and it smelled like it had a pound of weed under the back seat. <laughs> now, n- now it smells like a house fire when I get in. Oh, that's so. awesome. I'll take that one. That's awesome, man. Well, that's hilarious. But I think that that just sums up you, man. Like Eller. (laughs) Hold on. Let me, let me look. It's uh, life lessons with Eller, right? Life Life lessons with Eller. I love it, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time today. Just taking an hour out of your day to, uh, 
to chat with me. It was nice to catch up with you again. Man, stay in love with this job. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm watching from afar, and I love everything that I see. And the conversation today was just a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. It was. Thank you, man. It was good talking to you. I, I know it's been a while, but I appreciate the podcast and I always like looking at the uh, the Facebook posts and the takeaways from other departments that y'all put out. So. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate I'll- that. Thank you. And uh, we'll get together soon. So we got uh, there's a ton of things going up, a lot of travel coming up this year. Uh, and so on. So I'm hoping to be back down in your neck of the woods. And if we do, we'll certainly get over there and see you. It'd be really good to see you again. Sounds like a plan. All right, brother. Hang right there. I'm going to sign off the podcast and then I'll come right back to you. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sweet, man. Thank you. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Another great episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. Stephen Eller, Fountain in South Carolina. What a rock star, man. The kid kept me laughing the whole episode. He is a lot of fun. He's full of energy, uh, and he never sits still. Uh, He looked a lot better with his mustache, but it's gone now, so maybe he'll bring it back another day. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor. Take this conversation. Take it back to the kitchen table and talk about it, because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We appreciate you for tuning in, being a member of the National Fire Radio community, and if you have any ideas, thoughts, or suggestions about the podcast or you want to share your own story, Send us an email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'll check it out, and we'll get you on the air. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.